Hey, everybody. My name is Rich, and I hope you remember me. I was only gone one week. I wonder what it would be like if I was gone more. What I want to talk about today is uh, how's your memory? Any of you ever have any memory problems? No? I can't remember. I might have a problem there, but I can't remember. Duh. <laughs> Short-term, memory loss, long-term memory loss. How about selective memory? Any of you ever like, selective memory? You remember, you remember the things you want to remember. And I think that's kind of like what we're talking about today, kind of a focused selective memory. But we have these problems. You know, they have a, a science called mnemonics. Have you heard of that? Mnemonics, M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C-S. And it's uh, defined as this, the study and development of systems for improving and assisting the memory. Things they do to try to help the memory. But you know what? I, I, I kind of think it's a hopeless cause. You know, they try and they do things. We come up with all these little tricks to, uh, to remember stuff. But this is what I think right here, that... Uh, some of us just don't have any film. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what's going on and, and, and the things we try to do. But <clears throat> what I want to look at, if you'll open your Bibles with me today, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we'll pick it up uh, where Alex left off last week. And what a great job uh, that message was last week, huh? Yeah. You guys think that was awesome? Yeah. It was awesome. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. Uh, as Justin said, we can gather together as a family. We can open up your word. We can ask you to speak to us. We can listen to see what you might want to say to each one of us, Lord, and, and that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. We need you, Lord. We desperately need you in our lives. We can't do it without you. So help us today, even now, as we spend these uh, minutes together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is the, the, uh, the title of my uh, message today is Remember Jesus. And, and that's really what I want to focus on today, this idea we have memory, but to, to focus on remembering Jesus. The word for remember here is actually a form of the same word that I just uh, spelled out for you from the, where we get our word um, mnemonics. It's the same word. It means to exercise memory. It's, it means to recall my memory without implying anything was previously forgotten. It doesn't mean you forgot. It just means to bring it back up and to, to focus on it, to remember Jesus. Now, in our lives, our daily lives, and, and what we go through, yeah, we, we, we kind of have a lot of stuff going on. Any of you ever get distracted by stuff? But he says here, Despite anything else that's going on, he says, remember Jesus. 
Remember Jesus. And it's in the present tense, which, which means this, to keep on remembering. And look what he says there. He says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Jesus, remember Jesus. He's raised from the dead. In other words, he's alive. He's alive. That's so important for you and I to remember that. Remember, this one that we're remembering, he's alive. He, he rose from the dead, the cross and the resurrection. They couldn't stop him. They could not keep him in the grave. That's what the Bible says. They couldn't keep him in the grave. And that's what sets Jesus apart from all others, the cross and the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection. When you think about... Jesus Christ, he says to remember Jesus Christ, and, and uh, you know, is, it, is, it that, is that his first name and his last name? Well, Jesus is his name, right? That's what his name shall be, Jesus. And, and, but that even has meaning, and, and, and basically what his name means, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. So Paul says, remember Jesus, that, that he saves. But he also says the Christ, and the word Christ is the same word as Messiah, and what it means is anointed one, the one that, that the anointing is upon. And for you and me, what that means, Messiah, Christ, what that means is, is that he's the one that you and I need. He's the one that the human race needs. The Messiah would come not just for the Jewish people, but for the whole human race. Messiah would come. So Paul says, remember Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. That he's alive. That he is the one we need, and, and he can't be stopped. And what I, what, what, I, what I get out of this here is that no matter what is going on, we need to remember Jesus. We need to get our memory back to the where it needs to be. When we fail, we need to remember Jesus. When we're struggling... We need to remember Jesus, put our focus on Jesus. When we're attacked, remember Jesus. How about when you're worn out? Any of you ever get worn out? I do. Remember Jesus. He's alive. He's alive. He's, he's our answer. He's your answer. Remember Jesus. It's a simple thing. Say, well, that's kind of simple, you know, but, but we're simple people, at least I am, and I need to re be reminded that no matter what is going on in this world and in this life, and, and Paul, we're going to talk about that in a minute, Paul was in a pretty difficult circumstance, wasn't, wasn't he? And what did Paul say to Timothy? He said, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. If we forget everything else, if we, you know... If we can't come up with anything else in, 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 in the struggle and the life that we face, remember Jesus, the Messiah, the one we need, the one you need in every situation of your life. He's alive. He can't be stopped. They couldn't keep him in the grave. One person said this, that as we remember Jesus, it helps us in two ways. Number one, he said he's our example in times of difficulty. You're going, you think you're going through a hard time? Remember Jesus. What did he go through? 
He's the one who's, who's the answer for you and I. But just think of the agony and the death that he went through for you and for me. And yet he endured. The Bible tells us that. Keep our eyes fixed on him. But also this resurrection that Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated death and, and this will give us courage. This will give us hope no matter what you're going through, no matter what I'm going through, to focus our eyes back on Jesus. It's simple. But it's profound, I believe. Focus on Jesus. Remember Jesus. And keep on remembering. Resurrection. We're promised resurrection. The Bible says he's going to raise us. We're going to receive new bodies. The, the stuff we're going through now, the trials we go through now. You know, I, I uh, just got back from California, as you know, but I spent some time with my dad, and he's going through Parkinson's and all, kind of, all the stuff that's involved in that, and these bodies, they just break down, don't they? You know, I'm still having trouble with my ear. I, what, did, what did you say? I can't quite hear properly. It's this stuff that happens to our bodies, but... Remember Jesus. Focus on Him. Remember Him, the Savior. He's alive. He's here. He's with you. He's with me. Paul says he, in there in, in verse, uh, uh, the last part of verse 8, he says, This is my gospel. This is my gospel. This is not only the gospel that God used him to share with the world, but it was something that was his. This is my good news. That's what the word means, right? The gospel means good news. This is my good news that Jesus Christ, he's raised from the dead. He's my savior. He's the answer. He's my Messiah. He's the one that I need. This is my good news. That's what he says right before. What does he say in verse 9? Look what he says there. For which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. This is my good news, he says. Remember Jesus. And, and, and we talked about this when we first started this study in 2 Timothy, that, that Paul is in a dungeon, in a, in a prison cell. It's a foul place. Nothing like what we have in jails today. Nothing like that whatsoever. It's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. He's awaiting his death. He knows that he will soon die. And he says, remember Jesus. This is my good news for which I'm suffering. Remember Jesus. Uh, Alex kind of mentioned this last week that, that Paul, he was no ivory tower preacher. He, he, he wasn't telling people to do things that he did not understand himself, right? He says, remember Jesus when things get difficult, when suffering happens, and he knew because he was suffering. He was like a criminal but was he a criminal? It was unfair. You can say, well, it's unfair and I'm going to fight against this. And Paul spoke up when he had the opportunity. He did. But Paul knew suffering and persecution. The people thought that if they stopped Paul, they could stop Jesus. They could stop the good news. Is that possible? That's why I had him play this video today. Jesus can't be stopped. The line in that song that I, I like the best was, 
Uh, it says, and then they lowered Jesus. They laid him in a grave. They thought that it was over, that his name would fade away. But Jesus wasn't listening. No, he rose to life again because God is not persuaded by the arrogance of men. They tried to stop him, and in fact, that's one of the reasons they killed Jesus, and Jesus said it was going to happen. He said, this is what's going to happen. They'll see the sun coming, they'll, try to, they'll kill everybody else, and then the sun will come, and then they'll say, well, if we just kill the sun, it'll all be over, it'll be done, it'll be finished. And they thought, if, if we just kill Jesus, it's all going to be done, it's over, it's finished. But is that what happened? No, he came back to life. He rose to life again. Jesus can't be stopped. Remember Jesus for hope, for encouragement, for help. No matter what you and I are suffering through, suffering through. Throughout history, men and women who have given their lives for the gospel have done that so that you and I today could have the gospel. So people like Elias could hear that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. This idea of persecution, and, and it's kind of a subject that, you know, we, we don't think about too often. We don't like to talk about it that often, but it's a reality. And throughout the history of the church, from, from Jesus himself all the way up till today, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 15, because, because I, I, I had to ask the question, why is there persecution? Why do people fight against Jesus, against the church? And he goes into quite a long section here. We'll read it quickly, but look at verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Why is there persecution? Because they hate Jesus. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. There's a sticker that says N-O-T-W, not of this world. Why is there persecution? Because you're not, along, you're not going along with everything the world is going along with, that you've been called out of the world. Verse 20. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. The servant of the master. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. Because of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. That's kind of an interesting, when I, when I think about that, you know, the truth is, people don't want to hear the name of Jesus, right? It's, it's threatening to them. They're, you know, offended by the name of Jesus. But yet, at the same time, they use the name of Jesus as like a swear word, right? The, the Lord's name taken in vain like every five seconds. The name of Jesus, the name of God taken in vain all the time. It's just like so widespread. But if you want to talk to them about the real Jesus, well, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to know about that. But notice he says there that uh, they do not know the one who sent me. 
Why do they persecute? Because they don't know him. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. This kind of, it's getting a little hotter in, in, in the situation. Why are they persecuting Jesus? Why are they persecuting Christians? Why are they standing, standing against the faith? Because of our own sin. Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want anybody telling me that I'm doing something wrong, right? Now, what's that? Pride, right? Like the, the guy said in the song, the arrogance of man. Don't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. Verse 23, he who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated me, both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason, without a cause. In the end, it makes no sense to hate God. Why would you hate Jesus when he came to give you eternal life? Why would you hate Jesus who came to save your soul from hell? Why would you hate him? In the end, there really is no reason without cause. Without cause. Without reason. Is it going on today? In uh, Christianity today... They said this about the 20th century, uh, which just finished, you know, 16 years ago. He says, more people have died for their faith in the 20th century than all of the previous centuries combined. Did you know that? Persecution has not, is not over. It's not just back then in the early church. During the 20th century, there were uh, 26 documented cases 26 million killed for their faith. 26 million. From A.D. 33 to 1900, uh, the documentation is 14 million. 14 million. That's, over, that's almost double in the 100 years that we just finished compared to all the previous centuries combined. It, it, it hasn't gotten any better in fact, according to that, it's gotten worse, hasn't it? It's gotten worse. Persecution's an interesting thing, though, when you think about it. Uh, Paul, obviously, the context here is Paul in prison for his faith. And he's being persecuted. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They think it's foolish. They think it's, you know, they'll stand against it. It's, it, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know about it. But this idea of persecution is very, very real. And, and uh, someone wrote this, that, that some of the, some of the uh, things that come out of persecution is, number one, that the nominal ones leave. Those that are truly not committed and born again and, and uh, uh, a part of the body of Christ, when persecution starts, they said, well, I'm, I don't really want to have anything to do with this. I thought it was all supposed to be about, you know, comfortable, easy, right? But not the case. But he also said that believers are unified during times of persecution, and that's probably true as well. 
you know, I, I had this thought, and, and I'd heard this before, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that uh, persecution can causes the church to grow. Right? Any of you heard that before? And, and, uh, but I, was, I, I wanted to kind of like get some, uh, you know, some, something to back that up and do a little bit of reading about that this morning. And, and, and it is true in some cases, in places like China where persecution and the church had to go underground, the church has exploded and grown. But in other places, that has not been the case. Persecution has caused the church to either uh, you know, be wiped out in that area or you know, forced to flee to other areas. So it's not necessarily true that persecution, you know, so we can all just rejoice in persecution because it's a horrible thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that the church is going to explode. It's just the reality of what is going on here. This persecution is a reality. The message of the cross is foolishness. I read this, I, I, I looked in this magazine, The Voice of the Martyrs, and, and basically it's a magazine and a ministry to, uh, to those who are being persecuted all around the world. But a couple of things he says here, the, uh, uh, the president writes his little uh, editorial, he says, in many nations where we work, the Bible is banned. It's illegal. In North Korea, anyone caught with a Bible will almost certainly be sentenced to imprisonment in a labor camp. In Iran, Christians caught distributing Bibles are sent to prison. He says our persecuted family members experience the consequences of this offense every day. Governments and radical groups take offense at their faith in Jesus Christ, confiscating and burning their Bibles persecuting the children of God. But listen to this. Listen carefully. He says, one of the most frequent questions I hear is, will this type of persecution come to America? It's a big question, isn't it? He says, while I can't know for certain, I believe it will. This is the, the president of Voice of the Martyrs. He says, as American culture becomes increasingly hostile toward Christ and his body, persecution will surely follow. Knowing this, he says, we should be even more resolved to read God's word daily and treasure it in our hearts while we can, in other words. Is persecution coming to our country? I think so. I think it's already here in a lot of ways. But is it going to get worse? I think so, too. I think so, too. It's been happening. It's been happening for a long time. But does that mean the church is going to be stopped? Does that mean that the word of God will stop? Does that mean that Jesus will not continue to save people? Uh, I have one good story for you here. Any of you recognize that? Anybody know what that is, where that is? Mount Soledad, that's right. We... Uh, I talked about this quite a long time ago about the, the, the controversy and, and people were fighting to get the cross taken down, right? And uh, so we were there driving and we saw it, we looked up and we saw it and it was still there. And I hadn't looked into it for quite some time. But I am glad to report, and let me read this to you. It says, the Mount Soledad, Mount Soledad controversy 
over the prominent cross displayed at the war memorial has finally been settled after 25 years. 25 years they've been trying to take the cross down because somebody said, you know, I don't like the way that looks. It's an offense to me. Why? Because it speaks of Jesus. It, be, it speaks of the fact that we're sinners. He said, there have been millions spent on lawsuits and court cases over that time. And voters in San Diego even voted at one time to sell the property, but the action was blocked by a judge. Now, once and for all, it appears that it's finally been settled. Christianity Today says that the Soledad, Mount Soledad Veterans Memorial has finally, the controversy has finally ended after the U.S. Department of Defense sold the government land on which the 29-foot cross stood. They sold it to uh, the group, the veterans group that would now take care of it. 25 years. You know, to me, it's kind of uh, uh, emblematic of the fact that, you know, you can try. You can try. And, and, and there are places where they've been successful in taking the cross down. I, I know that. But in my mind, that's where I grew up. I grew up looking at that. You know, when I would drive, I was, that, that's very close to where I lived. It's going to stay. Because you, you can fight the cross, but you know what? You can't take it down. You can't stop the cross. You can't stop the work of God. Back in 2 Timothy, that's what he says, isn't it? He says, I'm suffering. I'm to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Paul was chained up like a criminal, but would that stop the truth from going forward? No. The word of God is alive, just as Jesus is alive, and it can't be stopped. The dictators have tried to destroy it. Bibles have been burned. Interesting thing is, is even the church, quote unquote, in the dark ages, tried to stop the, the Bible. They tried to stop people. They, for, they were forbidding people to own or read Bibles. The church was doing this. Of course, what happened after that, we know that uh, there were men and women who gave their lives that that the Bible could be in our hands today. The work will go on. You can bury the workman, but you can try to burn the book, but the work will go on. Got another quote for you here. In uh, uh, the website evidencebible.com, says this about the Bible. It says, No other book has been so attacked throughout history as the Bible. No other book has been attacked like this book. In AD 300, the Roman emperor Diocletian ordered every Bible burned because he thought that by destroying the scriptures, he could destroy Christianity. And anyone caught with a Bible would be executed. Did it work? He tried. But 25 years later, Constantine, the emperor, he ordered the 50 perfect copies of the Bible be made at government expense. That's a turnaround. How many of you know Voltaire, the philosopher, the French philosopher? He said this, that he boasted that within 100 years of his death, the Bible would disappear from the face of the earth. Voltaire died in 1728. 
Is the Bible gone? The Bible has been the most printed, the most read Bible in all the history of the world. One irony that's documented is this, is that 50 years after he died, the Geneva Bible Society moved into his former house and used his printing presses to print thousands of Bibles. That is ironic. You can fight against it, but can you stop it? I don't think so. One, one uh, commentator says this, not all the armies in, armies in the world can hinder the word of God from going forth. Jesus talked about it as well, didn't he? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Peter talks about it as well. He says, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living an enduring word of God. For all men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands, how long? Forever. Forever, this word. So what Paul's saying here. God's word's not chained. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can try. All the efforts of man. He says, he's, Peter says here, men are just like grass. Just like flowers, the grass withers, the flowers fall, they, they don't last forever, the, the sun gets on them, but, but the word of God stands, the word of the Lord stands forever. Therefore, he says in verse 10, he says, therefore I endure everything. Therefore, why? Because of the word of God, because of Jesus. Remember Jesus, therefore I because of Jesus, because of his word, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Whatever it takes, Paul says, whatever I can do to help people find the truth. Even if it means persecution, even if it means that people, you know, come against you, even if it means that you try to tell someone about Jesus and they say, get away from me. Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Those who are called by God, who trust in God, that they would have the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I want the eternal glory. I don't know about you. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. We're going to have com communion in, in a few minutes, but this is what I want us to be thinking about. Remember Jesus, that he's alive, that his word is alive, and, and, and it, can't, it can't be stopped. How many of you know the phrase, remember the Alamo? That was like a battle cry, right? Remember the Alamo. Anybody know why they say that? I didn't really know. I've heard the phrase before. I really didn't know like what it was about until you kind of like look into it and think about it. Why do they say remember the Alamo? Well, the Texans were struggling for independence from Mexico, right? And so when they went to battle, they said remember the Alamo because it, it, it called to mind this fight back at a place a fort that was called the Alamo, right? You know this. Some of you know this. 
There was a fight where they, they were besieged, they were fighting, but they died to the very last person there. And so they're going into battle, and they said, remember the Alamo, we're going to fight. We've got to fight. Well, I want to say to you today, remember Jesus who died, but he rose again. He's worth fighting for. Remember Jesus. Remember him. I want you to turn with me, if you will, as we prepare for communion to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In verse 23, what does he say? Paul speaking again here. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, that's what Jesus said. He's, he's quoting the words of Jesus. You can find them in the Gospels. Jesus said, remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we come to partake of communion, as we come to celebrate communion, and I think that's one of the reasons why we do it on a regular basis, that we would, again, remember him. Remember what he did, that he went to the cross for you, for me. Not only did he die, but he rose from the dead. Because if he just died and it ended there, it would just be ended. But he rose from the dead, giving us hope and a future, eternal glory, as we read there. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember Jesus. Again, this idea of being focused back to, to Jesus, that he's alive. He saves. He's the one we need. No matter what's going on, remember Jesus. No matter what's happening in your life today, you know, put it all aside for a, for a few moments as we take some time to get quiet before the Lord and remember Jesus. Say, well, that sounds too simple, and I've done it so many times before. Well, we're supposed to do it on a regular basis because we need to get back to the cross over and over again because it's where our hope is. It's where our future is and, and what Jesus did for us. Maybe today, I, I have to say this, maybe today you've never come to the cross. You, this is, this is uh, something new for you. You need to give your life to Jesus. Why? Maybe you've even been saying, you know what, that Jesus stuff, that's not for me. That's like weird or that's like insanity. They're crazy. Only crazy people, you know, find Jesus. <coughs> Amen. I'm, I'm there with you. 
But the truth of the matter is that the people who find Jesus are those that are willing to bend the knee and say, I need a Savior. And so for you and me to come to him and say, you know what, I, I need Jesus. I, I, I'm lost. I need, I need the forgiveness that only he can give because I can't find it. I've tried all kinds of other stuff in this world and in this life, and it just is not doing it. Well, I, I challenge you today to give your life to Jesus because you, you will find what he can do. So we're going to pray in just a minute here, and, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. But for those of you, like myself, that, that already have, we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to be quiet after we pray. And, and just take a few minutes, not long, to remember Jesus in your life. One of the, one of the speakers at our conference, uh, he, he, he had a great message, but his, his really the heart of his message was that Jesus called his disciples to be with him. And, and for you and I to spend time with him. Maybe it's just a few minutes now, but but that it, that it would be a part of our lives. And, and we, we learn at church, we grow at church, yes, but, but really it's, it's who we are outside of church, that we have a time in our lives where we spend with Him. That's more important than doing things for Him, way more important. We're going to spend just a minute or two here with Him and, and focus on Him. And then when you are... ready the communion the the bread and the cups are right in the back here you can just get up out of your seat and go and and get that and come and 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 partake just you and him you don't need me to 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 tell you how to take communion you see we all we we all can do that sometimes we depend too much on somebody telling us what to do no we need to learn i can i can break bread with 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 jesus i can celebrate his body i can celebrate his blood it's between me and him ultimately in the end anyways, isn't it? So let's pray now, and then we'll take, a, like I said, a minute or two of quietness, and then you partake, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll finish with worship as well.